welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Rice, and this is the show that's all about taking your health, body, and life to that next level. And before we get to today's interview, which is just a killer, killer interview, I want to give a shout out to our partner, Natural Stacks. So if you'd like to enjoy some of the best supplements on the planet, go to naturalstacks.com and use my name, T-E-D-R-Y-C-E, Ted Rice, at checkout as the promo code and enjoy a 15% off on me. I highly recommend their physical performance stack and their MagTech magnesium supplement. The MagTech is awesome. You take it before you go to bed and you will get into deep sleep even faster. And that's what I've been experiencing. Wanted to share that with you. And today's guest, I want to introduce him by telling you a story. October 1st, 2014, I got into a car accident that literally changed my life. It turned out I had three cervical disc herniations. I went through physical therapy and I knew I couldn't go back to lifting weights like I had been. Before that, I was on my way to a 500 pound deadlift because I thought it would be cool to do that, to show, hey, I know what I'm doing and I can put it into practice and I can get strong. But I, I could not go back to that. I knew I needed to do something else, and I know that bodyweight training, I knew that somehow it would play a role in getting me back in shape. And I tried some different courses and different people. I learned a lot, but then I was introduced to Coach Summers' Gymnastic Bodies approach, his courses, his website at gymnasticbodies.com, and it changed the way that I started exercising myself, and it also changed the way that I started doing everything with my clients. And let me tell you something. I don't talk about it a lot. I'm not a cocky guy, but I've been in the fitness industry for over 17 years. I've learned from your gurus, gurus, right? That's how long I've been in this industry, learning from some of the best around and there are very few people who I can point to and say, that person revolutionized what I did with myself and with my clients. And Coach Christopher Summer, our guest today, is one of those people. And this is the first time that I've gotten to sit down and talk with him. We had an amazing conversation and we get into why what he does is so effective. And what's interesting about Coach Summer is he's not a health and fitness guy. And there's nothing wrong with health and fitness people. I'm one. But he comes from the approach of being a, a former U.S. national team coach for gymnastics. So he was apart from the health and fitness industry. He's a person who needed to get results so that his athletes went on to compete at the national level, the world level, and the Olympic level. And if he didn't do that, he didn't have a job. That's what you do as a coach. So he shares his journey on how he got started, how he developed his approach to training athletes, and how he took that approach and started applying it with regular people like you and me, because I'm no Olympic athlete, right? And neither are you, most likely. I want to share also, I started 
playing around with gymnastic strength training many years ago, and I got tendonitis in my triceps from doing it. I was trying things I just had no business messing around with. And I said, you know what? This is a joke. This stuff is just way too hard. I'm going to hurt myself even more than I already have if I try to mess around with it. But Coach Christopher Summers has come up with a program, an approach, a progression to help regular people like you and I get to a high level of proficiency with these gymnastic strength training moves. Now, we're not talking backflips or any type of craziness that you've seen in the Olympics with gymnastics. We're talking about strength training. We're talking about muscle-ups and how to do handstands and L-sits and manas and side levers and single-leg squats and rope climbs. He also goes on to talk about how CrossFit doesn't have the optimal approach when it comes to building gymnastic strength. And if you've ever heard someone say, oh, body weight training, it's, it's good for doing reps or quote unquote cardio, but you can't get really big or strong with it. Coach Christopher Summer is going to blow that myth out of the water. And he is so wise, so knowledgeable, and it is a complete honor to have him on the show today. So if you want to take your training up to the next level, and if you want to avoid injuries, because that's a big part of it, listen to every word that Coach Christopher Summer has to say. Enough talk. Let's get to the interview with Coach Christopher Summer from GymnasticBodies.com. Coach Christopher Summer, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me, Ted. And as we were talking before we hopped on, I've been in the industry for a long time. I've talked about you on my show. I've talked about you when I've been interviewed on other shows. And I've learned from a lot of the so-called experts in the fitness industry, a lot of people I respect. And you have completely revolutionized the way I approach my own training as well as the training with the population that I deal with, which is people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. A lot of them are CEOs of their companies, highly stressed people, Mm -hmm. people who are type A, want to get a great workout, but also don't understand why they may be breaking down a little bit. So I know we're going to dive into that and more, but it's an honor to speak with you. Oh, I appreciate it, Ted. No, I'm, I love talking about this. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think the best way to start, I'm familiar with your story. I know who you are. But for those okay. people who don't, can you talk a little bit about what you do and your former career as a U.S. national gymnastics coach? So Christopher Summer in a nutshell. That's it. All right. Yeah, we can do that. So uh, for a long time, more, more decades than I'll admit to. I was involved with um, high-level gymnastics. I think I'm coming up on, uh, actually to admit to it, I'm coming up on 40 years now, shortly. Not all of that as a national team coach, of course. Uh, probably out of that 40 years, last 15 or 20 as, as a U.S. national team coach. Basically what that means is my job was to produce the best athletes on the planet in the world I come from, unlike the fitness industry, which I learned the hard way, in the world I come from, there's no room for bullshit. There's no room for dogma. There's no room for uh, unsupported opinion. Things either work or they don't. And it, 
it's measurable. You won nationals. You didn't make. You didn't win nationals. You made national team. You didn't make national team. You went to the Olympics. You didn't go to the Olympics. How you felt about it? How your coach felt about it? None of that had any bearing whatsoever. It's been both a blessing and a curse. It's been a blessing in that I come to physical preparation, to fitness, very clear-headed, with a no-bullshit approach. Uh, it's been a curse in that for the first few years, I expected everyone else around me to have that same attitude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I know what yeah. you mean. It was shocking to me that that people, we take this, I mean, we kind of consider, you know, you come into the gym, this is your time to, to strive for excellence, you know, to really get after it, to see what you're capable of doing. It's kind of, in a way, sacred to us, you know, this is, this is a time where we, we really push ourselves. And then these other guys were coming in, they were kind of just treating it like casually, that it, that it was this throwaway time. And then they would say all these unsupported, you know, claims, we do this, we do that. And, you know, for a long time, well, in national team coach, if someone says it, they did it. And then we learned fairly quickly that that is not the case in the fitness community. Yeah. And let's dive into that a little bit, because... Most of the people who listen to this show, most people in general who are fitness enthusiasts, they're exposed to the world that you're talking about, where it's P90X on TV, where it's the guy on YouTube with perfect abs and talking about training in a really confident manner. But you come from this world where you needed to produce athletes or you don't have a job. You're not a coach or you're a losing coach. If your athlete, yeah, if your athlete can't perform at a high level during international competitions, then they replace you. Right. And I found out very quickly was my approach with developing athletes was very different than a lot in the fitness community. For example, my last senior athlete, who uh, is uh, one of the best in the world. I had 16,000 hours into the development of this young man. And you know, it's a little bit like a Van Gogh painting, if you will. This is something that's valued. You take care of it. We take our time. We don't make rash decisions. My, my reputation is reflected in how well he performs and how well he performs is then based upon how healthy his body is. In the fitness community, we found out that that's not the case, that customers and clients and students were almost viewed as disposable. You know, you, they come in, they get broken, it's okay, they paid their five bucks, they paid their 10 bucks, whatever, you're broke, I'll just replace you with someone else down the road. And it, it really is a diametrically opposed attitude and philosophy and how we approach things. I bring people in, we start slowly. You know, we, we have to have time for joints to adapt takes time where everyone else, you know, they want to, uh, what can I do in 30 days? Yeah, sure. <laughs> 30 days isn't going to cut it. We can get a little better through practice, but as far as remodeling tissue, not going to happen. And I want to get into that later because you talk a lot about how the metabolic rate of connective tissue, tendons, ligaments is, is much smaller than muscle tissue. But since we're on this topic of the fitness industry, let's talk a little bit about your experience with CrossFit. You were the gymnastics coach at the beginning for CrossFit. Can you talk a little bit about that in your opinion on CrossFit? Uh, way back when early 2000s, I, I was a gymnastics guy for CrossFit, got uh, 
romanced rather heavily to come in and fulfill that role by uh, CrossFit CEO Greg Glassman. What CrossFit stands for is actually a really good ideal on paper. It was the execution that's kind of still needs refinement. So ideally what it started with was it was going to be one-third weightlifting, one-third sprint training, and one-third gymnastics. Okay. Now it turned out that gymnastics, GS, gymnastics strength training, now just, just to let people know what I do, what my company Gymnastic Bodies does, we don't do artistic competitive gymnastics for the public like you will see competed at the Olympics and that. We don't do technical acrobatics. We don't even touch that. But what we do do is um, focus on building the physiques that are capable of going into that technical. So I've taken all the technical elements out and we focus purely on physical development. It's complicated to do well. And so uh, it requires patience. What we found then is that CrossFit was moving towards doing more, doing faster, as heavy as possible. And there was me in the room saying, uh, excuse me, but I think we need to slow down. We need to slow down. You know, people are going to get hurt. And the owners of CrossFit didn't want to hear that. A lot of the people who were enjoying CrossFit at the time, especially when it was new, didn't want to hear that. Now, what's interesting is they want to hear it now because a lot of them are I mean, back in the day, you didn't hear about mobility. You didn't hear about joint prep. You didn't hear about any of those things. Those things exist now simply because I've been beating the drum for so many years. Like, guys, you've got to take care of this. And no, 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 no. We're fine. So, okay, you may not listen to me now, but you're going to listen to me later because you're going to hurt. You're going to feel like shit. And uh, sure enough, you know, what we generally found is, especially if someone is is young, a stud, they're healthy, they're... Uh, aggressive in their training they're going to do what it takes to what they think gets them ahead so when they're hurting they're going to push through it and they usually have a shelf life of two maybe three years for the really really tough ones and at that time one of two things is going to happen they are either going to stop training completely because their body just hurts so bad joints are just crushed and they can't take it anymore or they're going to adjust their training and they're going to become more moderate and they're going to start taking a longer term attitude towards getting where they want to go. It's going to be one of those two things. It's impossible. You can't keep sliding into a stop on your tires at every single stop sign and expect that you're going to get 50,000 miles out of those tires. It's not going to happen. You know, they're, they're going to have a really short shelf life. The body is similar. Now, the nice thing about the body is if we'll just use a little bit of sense Right? It can rebuild it. Unlike tires, it can rebuild itself. But there is a point where if you take it too far, now that temporary minor annoyance, chronic, if you push chronic, it becomes permanent. Once that happens, there's no going back. Yeah, so true. And, and such a powerful lesson that I've had to learn the hard way, not from CrossFit, but from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and martial art MMA training. Before we get into this talk about training and tissue adaptation, I'd love to, here's the thing that you said so eloquently in another interview was that CrossFit, it's sexy, it's on TV, on ESPN, people are watching them. They think that people who are not in the know watch the competitions, the athletes, and they're impressive specimens, 
but talk a little bit about the ring strength that you build with your program versus the progress that has made in the past, I don't know, decade or so that CrossFit's been around. Yeah, that's pretty much how you measure the efficacy of what someone's doing. You know, bottom line, is it getting results? And is it getting results in a healthy way? So if we go way back when, I don't want to give people the wrong idea. I do like CrossFit. I think like anything, though, that it can be improved. The approach can be tweaked. And I'll give some illustrations of that now. One, before we go into where their ring strength should be, beginners have this misunderstanding that everything needs to be high octane. Their hair needs to be on fire. They need to be going crazy. That time is short and need to work as hard as possible in order to get where they want to go. When actually the exact opposite is true. If there's somewhere you really, really want to go and it's crazy important to you and the health and well-being of your body should be important to you since this is a, a one-shot deal. You don't get to get a replacement, right? So you, you need to care and cherish this. So rather than trying to break the body down, we need to slow down and make sure things are right. I came across a good quote the other day, and I, people who work with me will run into the same thing, that the higher the level of the instructor or coach that you're working with, almost always the greater the emphasis is going to be on fundamentals and basics. Almost always. Simply because, and it doesn't make sense to a lot of people until you've, you've been coaching, producing, or competing at a world-class level. And once you get up there, you can look back and you can see all these deficits that if they would have been corrected earlier, would have led to uh, either a longer career or a much higher levels of performance. So we, we learn the hard way to, okay, the beginning is absolutely the time where it's most important to do things as perfectly as we can. And most people's attitude is the exact opposite. They want to rush. I came up, a buddy of mine, SEAL Team 6, a beast, built himself up from 145 to 220, a solid muscle. Within a few years, I think it was three years, four years of lifting, he was up to a um, just shy of a 400-pound clean and jerk crazy strong. He shared with me a Russian weightlifting coach's program made named Medvedev. And if you look at Medvedev's materials, it's kind of like looking at, uh, at materials that I would put out. For example, for the first two years, well, if we ignore all the preparatory work where it's just mobility and it's just technique work, but when they actually get to start to lift for the first two years, they're not allowed to go over. I was either 50 or 60% body weight. Right. For, for two years, for two years to give joints and that a chance to adapt. And this might be the right time to uh, segue a bit into people. Well, you know, why? Why do we have to go slow? Most people, when they train, the injuries in that they encounter are almost always joint injuries, almost without exception. It's very rare to get a uh, muscle belly injury, but people don't tag to that. And so... What happens is we keep pushing muscular failure, really high intensity, joint pain is there now. Muscle tissue regenerates at about a 90-day cycle. Connective tissue regenerates about 180 to 210-day cycle. If we're always pushing muscular failure, 
then, and we're going for these max lows, then we gradually create a larger and larger imbalance between muscle tissue and joint until finally something gives. And it's not sexy, it's not exciting to tell people, I'm great that you wanna work hard, it's great you wanna work hard, I'm excited that you have good goals, and now in order to get there, I want you to slow your ass way down. Absolutely. And and I think an interesting point to bring up as well is people who are on steroids, you'll hear them getting so strong that the muscle literally rips the tendon off the bone. And it's exactly, it's a more extreme example of what you're talking about. But that's happening at a lesser level without the anabolics with people who are in the gym just pushing the muscles, always looking for their emotional fix of exercise and feeling that pump and feeling like they really did something. That's, that's, that's an excellent point. We, we kind of look at it, a lot of beginners are, are kind of addicted to the adrenaline rush. I think that was one of the uh, key factors in CrossFit's appeal to the general public is come in, get crushed, and uh, lay there in a pile of sweat, you know, utterly wrecked and destroyed. But that euphoria that they get afterwards from that adrenaline. And I got to share with people that a world-class athlete never trains that way. Right. I mean, they, they, they can't afford to wreck themselves. They can't afford to shred their hands. You know, and same in special operations. And we do a lot of work with some, we've been fortunate, we do some work with some special operations in that. They're much the same boat as a professional athlete. They've got to be able to come in and train the next day. They can't come in and destroy themselves and then hobble around for a week. You know, it just, it just can't be done. So, and it actually turns out that that for uh, achieving higher levels of performance in the future allows you to establish a much stronger base, a much stronger foundation that you can then build your higher work on top of. Right. Yeah. And it's a hard sell and coach. I deal with this every day or uh, as a personal trainer with clients who want results yesterday. And I'll tell you, it took me years into my 17 year career to figure out that I'm almost more of a psychologist than I am (laughs) a person who works with fitness. But let me ask you this. Now, obviously people look for that euphoria you spoke about. There's got to be some, some benefit to that middle ground. Yeah, where do you find the fine line between that? You you find the fine line in uh, adjusting their expectations. And so there aren't bad students. There are bad teachers. And so if a student is making improper judgments, it's because that instructor led that student to that improper judgment. Or if that student came to the table with the with that improper decision or attitude and it's not corrected, it's because the instructor or the coach allowed it to continue. You know, the reason they come to a high-level instructor is to learn these things. Sometimes they mistakenly think they just want the burn. And I think Schwarzenegger said it best way back when, you know, if you want to burn, I'll light a match and we can stick it under your butt and that'll, that'll give you all the burn <laughs> you need. Yeah. <laughs> it's not productive. It's not going to build strength, but, you know, it'll burn you know, go for it. And so does it take time to achieve world-class results? Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think it should. That's, that's part of what makes it rewarding. Along that lines, is it, is it possible for the average Joe, and I put myself in that category, I'm, I'm a great coach, but there are better coaches than I am. 
around the world. They're, they're, they're here and they're there. I'm, I'm not the best by any means. And physically, I myself wouldn't have been able to compete with my top athletes. These guys are thoroughbreds. But for the rest of us, that's, that's kind of neither here nor there. Our job is to do the best with the hand of cards that we've been dealt. The general population is a wreck, is a wreck. They eat improperly. They sleep too little. They have no mobility. They're weak. Their joints are killing them. They're kyphotic. Their neck is displaced forward. Their calves are super tight, which causes hamstring problems, which causes lower back problems. Their biceps are too tight. They have no shoulder extension, hands going back behind them, which causes chest caved in and shoulders internally rotated. And you know, at, at first when they're flying a desk and they're in their 30s and 40s, it's just kind of lack of energy. Things don't quite feel good. They uh, go out a little bit on the weekends and try to, you know, tear it up a little bit like when they were young. But, you know, injuries no longer heal like they used to. It just kind of feels like that slippery slope. And before you know it, you know, they're late 50s, they're 60s. And now we've got we've got some serious issues raising their head. And what they didn't realize was this was avoidable. This yeah. was avoidable. A lot of what goes on with age is actually has nothing to do with disease, but has more to do with disuse. Right. You know, mus- muscle tissue is expensive. Range of motion is expensive in terms of the body's resources to maintain it. And if you don't need it, your body's not going to support it. You know, you can't just build it to a point and walk away and come back to it and expect it to be there. It's going to give you a few days leeway, and then it's going to gradually start deteriorating. The higher the level you are at before you stop, the longer the deterioration will, will take. But it's going to happen. It has to happen. It, it's, it's a biological imperative. There's no choice. It's like water is wet, sky is blue, the sun will come up in the morning, and if you don't train the body's going to break down. Yeah, so powerfully stated. And I would love to change gears here and get into, we. I think you built a, a wonderful case of explaining what happens and, and why it happens. But let's talk about how to get back on track for the guy who is listening right now, who is beat up, who has been surfing their desk for their 30s and 40s and wants to get back into it. How do they start to rebuild themselves? All right. It's actually, now this did take us, it did take me a long time to, uh, to figure out because tra- training adults is different than training young athletes or uh, national team athletes. In fact, the national team athletes skewed my expectations for a number of years of what was average because that, <laughs> yeah. that was my environment. So that kind of day to day. And then we'd, we'd go, I'd go work with other people. And I'd say, wow, these, these guys are one step away from a wheelchair. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't even know how they get dressed in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, well, what we found is that it, it flows out pretty easy. Number one priority, without question, without question, is regaining mobility, is regaining full range of motion, natural range of motion through their joints. We're not building mobility to get into Cirque Soleil or to be a contortionist or anything like that. We're just rebuilding the mobility that they already possessed when they were young. I can go in and I can get any young child, as long as they don't have a congenital defect, 
right? They have normal, healthy joints, and I can put them through all of this, and they're fine. They can squat down fine. They can lift their arms over their head. We were, I was working with uh, some high-level athletes in Australia, and uh, they were sharing with me, I, you know, these professional rugby players could barely raise their arms to 45 degrees above horizontal. So they could get them halfway over there. I was just, wow, seriously. And, and no one tags to this. No one says, you know, there's an issue. Your shoulders have lost half their range of motion and you find this acceptable. Now, the reason we want to regain this range of motion is that range of motion coupled with proper strength is what maintains healthy joints. Right? Joints are designed to move through their normal range of motion. But everyone gets caught up in going really, really heavy, really, really heavy, really, really heavy, really low reps, really uh, long rest periods in between those sets, and all of which is conducive to unhealthy connective tissue and just destroys their mobility, just destroys it because they have to, in order to do maximal strength, we have to restrict range of motion as much as possible. And so right. unless, unless your thing is uh, powerlifting or to a lesser extent Olympic lifting, you're going to function much better and feel much better with a natural, normal range of motion. And that means mobility work. So what's kind of ironic with the mobility work is intensity doesn't matter. In fact, intensity actually works against it because remember connective tissue has a much slower rate of adaptation so it's going to take a minimum of six months so if it takes six months for the first cycle of regeneration to occur you can relax now basically <laughs> what's more important than intensity is showing up you know right. just show up spend spend your 15 minutes spend your 30 minutes doing your mobility work and then move on move on. That's, that's first and foremost. After they addressed mobility, then we can go into, we've got to rebuild the core. And with core, we're including abs, obliques, and lower back. And we, we can talk about the where and the why of how we do that. And then after that, we can expand it and we can get into more, you know, traditional bent arm, bent leg, hinging strength, things like that. But if someone comes to the table and their mobility is poor and they want to do what's traditional and they want to get stronger and they do it and they're chasing maximal strength at, at the expense of mobility. They're just pouring gasoline on a fire. They're just making it worse. Right. Until, and, until eventually breaks. Yeah. And, and now's a good time to ask a question that a listener wrote in and Ryan has a question. Actually, he follows the gymnastic bodies. He's a physical therapist and he asks, why do your stretch series protocols work so well with adults when compared to the average clinician, average physical therapist who prescribes a simple 30 to 60 second hold? It's a good question, and it's bright of, of Ryan to have noticed that. It, basically, what happens is people are chained to their desk for you know eight hours a day, and then and they, they drive in the car for 20 to 45 minutes on the way to work, and they sit while they're doing that, and then they sit while they drive home, and then they sit again while they eat dinner, 
and then they sit again in the living room and watch some TV or a movie in the afternoon or in the evening. And hip flexors are tight. Gastronemias and soleus are just piano wire. There's no articulation through the spine. They do all these things, and they've spent hours upon hours upon hours in basically a self-imposed body cast. Right. And then they spend 30 seconds trying to undo all that. And it's just, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The body is incredibly efficient. The body is incredibly efficient. It will not do anything that it doesn't have to do. Your, your body's idea of heaven is sitting on the couch with a beer and the remote in your hand. You know, and the closer things are, the better. And if it can recline, hey, that's just the cherry on top. So what you have to do is you have to give the body enough stimulation with enough duration that you can force that super compensation along. Why? The body hates being sore. The body hates being tired because the body looks at that as a threat to your survival. The body doesn't know that we're in modern times, that everything is safe, that everything's good. It doesn't know that. It's, it's hardwired to protect you from threats. Fatigue is a threat. That means I can't get away from something that's hungry. You know, sore is a threat. I can't get away from something that's trying to hurt me. And so it responds accordingly. Now, it's not art. It's not building a wall out of concrete. We're building with tissue, and this takes time. So now, now patience comes into it. And that's where, you know, intensity needs to be moderate. You know, do, do you need to work hard? Yeah, you, you need to work hard. Will my idea of working hard be different than most people's? But we need to not work past the point of self-destruction. And that's, that's where we're seeing a lot of uh, beginners with best of intentions coming in and getting fired up. Joints aren't prepared and hitting it hard. And then, you know, two months, two and a half months in, suddenly, you know, well, I can't train anymore. My hip hurts, my back hurts, my shoulder hurts, my elbow hurts. I just had a long letter from someone uh, yesterday, you know, coach, I've been doing such and such a program. I won't say who, but it, it's, it's a competitor who makes fun of how patient our programs are. Right. <laughs> and he's like, coach, my elbows are destroyed. My elbows are destroyed. I, I have uh, medial apocondiasis. I've got golfer's elbow. I've got tennis elbow. I'm just, I'm just a wreck. What do I do? And I said, well, you know, you, you got to step off. Now, those people are the easy sell. Right? The people who have hurt, who've been through it, you don't have to convince them of anything because they've been through it. They know without a shadow of a doubt this is true. The, the ones who, who think they have a choice are still the young ones who are still feeling immortal. You know, they're invulnerable. Bullets bounce off. That is so true. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's hard. Like a lot of my clients, it's hard to tell them, listen, have you had any tweaks or injuries in the past couple years you've been training with me? It's like, well, no, they don't realize that that's a big deal that in most other programs that hit you hard, hit you fast. That's what you end up with the medial and lateral epicondylitis and the, the knee tweaks and the neck pain or the shoulder issues, the impingement. Can you talk a little bit about your progressions, because when I first started doing, I learned so much from the way you write programs. It's like, wow, I'm doing three sets of one rep here. 
you know, that's like, and, and it's not my one rep max. It's just my one rep to dial in the technique on this exercise. Can you talk a little bit about how you approach the programming? Sure, sure. So everything about my programming for beginners is based upon first building healthy joints and a reasonable range of motion. That's most important. Everything else is going to play off that. Because if you think about it, if you don't have healthy joints, there is no training later. You're, sure. you're done. It's over. What I also find a little interesting, I think I mentioned this recently in another podcast, was for some reason... Americans and Western Europe have this aversion to mobility work. And I don't get it. Even, even the ones who are weightlifters where, for example, they'll watch the Chinese, you know, world champion, Olympic champion, Chinese lift. They'll watch Klokov lift. And they, they will dissect every single thing these guys do in their training except for their physical preparation. Right. They, they just skip right over it. And what they're not realizing is those guys have amazing mobility. They have an incredible flexibility and it's that flexibility that allows them to be strong and allows them to be healthy and allows them to have a good quality of life because they, they go hand in hand. You'll hear some people who say high performance is completely separate from health. And I have never accepted that. Not ever in my entire career, a healthy body is a body that can perform at its best. Now, do, do things happen in its Olympic trials and something goes wrong and you pull a little bit? Am I going to say, no, you're not going to compete today? I'm not going to tell you, you know what? I'm sorry this happened, but you got to man up because this is a once in a four-year deal. Right. But our same if it happened at Olympics, right? It, do, it doesn't matter in that particular specific instance. But most people aren't at Olympic trials. Most people are at Olympics. So why are they acting as though it's the day of competition? Why, why are they not valuing their body and giving it a chance to be healthy? It's going to take more patience. It's going to take more patience. Uh, we had a, a really high-end client contact me in December and had these really high-end goals for in 30 days. And I, this is a big client. And I was like, wow, you know, I, I'm going to lose this client because I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got to be straight with them. That, you know, one... There's, there's not an effing prayer in the world that <laughs> this is going to happen in 30 days. What do you want to do? Like a one-arm handstand or muscle up or? Levers, press handstands, manna. And what most coaches would have done was say, hell yeah, we'll push it and we'll go hard. But we have to start with almost that old cliche, medical cliche. You know, first we've got to do no harm. We've right. got to do no harm. If, if someone is hurt from the coach's programming, that coach should that that should weigh on his soul heavily. I mean, he just injured one because he was in a rush. Most coaches don't feel that way, you know. That it'll it'll be someone else's fault. Well, they did this, they did that. Well, no, it's it's the coach's fault. It's the coach's fault. And that doesn't mean you know sack and ashes and carrying on and growling on the belly and all this stuff. But it means we we need to address this and figure out you know what went wrong and how do we correct it? How, how do we fix it moving forward? And you know we did long time ago now our first seminar working with adults eight ten years ago we found out the hard way that the stronger they were the more brittle they were the easier they broke for that and because of that we learned that i learned that you can't expose adults to plyometric work right away can't be done you know dynamic jumping hopping bouncing all those things come 
further down the road. We have to do mobility, then we have to do core, then we do basic strength, and then we can start easing them in. Now, why, why do the dynamic work in the first place? Well, that's where you get crazy strong. Right. That's where you get your greatest increase. We did a, a dynamic upper body workshop at uh, Poliquin headquarters a few years back. A lot of strong people there, bright people, hardworking people. I spent was two, three-hour blocks preparing them. Think after all the prep and the mobility and this and that, by the time we actually got to the dynamic work, they handled 15 minutes of it, and they were done. <laughs> it was all mobility work beforehand? It was mobility work. It was some basic joint prep, teaching them scapular function, which basically means, you know, like most adults have no idea that their shoulder blades are supposed to be able to move. That, <laughs> yeah. Which was astounding to me to find out, you know, of course your back's killing you. It's frozen. I mean, it's right. like, think, think of what a limb looks like when it's been broken and it's been casted and then you take the cast off. So many people are doing this to themselves voluntarily, unintentionally. They don't realize it. In their defense, they don't realize it. But essentially, you know, they place themselves in a cast and things are just withering away the same as they would if something was really injured in a cast. Yeah. And I think a really important point there that you mentioned, you talked a lot about mobility and, and how that needs to be the foundation. A lot of people who try to get stronger, let's say doing an overhead press of some type, whether that's a standing barbell press or seated dumbbell press, if they can't get their arms completely over their head <laughs> in flexion, then you're not just lifting the weight, you're fighting against your own joints that won't even let you get into the position to begin with. And that's why it feels so hard. And that's why it's so difficult to get stronger. And that goes through for a lot of other joints in a lot of other exercises. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Isn't, isn't it interesting how uh, kind of these urban legends, these wives' tales get started? So it, I, I come across it all the time from guys who have been training a long time where uh, as you're an adult, you it's everyone just knows, it's common knowledge that you're no longer going to be able to do overhead work. Right they find this acceptable. So what, what they're basically telling me is that as I get older, suddenly my, my range of motion in my shoulders is supposed to cut in half. This is a natural thing. It's like, guys, really? You accept this? Or, you know, adults can't do dips. Yep. Well, does that mean that they should jump right into dips and right into overhead work? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all if they have deficiencies. But if there are deficiencies there, it means we need to correct them rather than train around them. And most people's approach that I have found is it's quicker, it's easier, it's less frustrating to do the sand, pretend the issue isn't there and just train around it and move on. They don't realize that what's caused that issue is continuing, is going to continue to get worse. It's going to get worse because you didn't do anything to fix it. But they just kind of pretend, you know, it's not there for now. I'll just work around it. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that, the exercise you mentioned, the dip, I stopped doing dips for a long time and I've had sprains on both my AC joints from 
jujitsu, I just got thrown on them, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard sure. to avoid a, a, an issue when, when that happens. It wasn't poor technique. It was uh, being outmatched by black belt, you know? Um, sure, sure. I did, but, I did hot keto for like 10 years, so I, I feel your pain. Yeah, and I stopped doing dips. And even a well-known guy in the fitness industry, who I actually respect a lot, won't name him, but he said, if you have any AC joint issues, don't do dips. But what I found with your program was you gave me exercises to get my shoulder extension back to where it needs to be, to where I can do dips without having problems. And even in spite of these injuries that I have, and I have some, I have three herniated discs in my neck from a car accident, but, but I'm able to do these things. And it was just by improving the mobility. And, you know, you changed my, I want to say my life, but more specifically, you changed my ability to keep myself healthy for the rest of my life. Uh, Ah, I love hearing stories like that. And that, that's my primary goal with gymnastic bodies, you know, is regardless of what I do, what our, how well our company does is I'm still a national team coach at heart. And that means that I'm vested in the health and well-being of the students that I work with. And so that, that just means the world to me here in that. Maybe we, we back up. So some people may not know what we're talking about. So uh, guys, shoulder extension the mobility for that simply means if you were standing upright and you had your hands at your side, shoulder extension is the ability to lift your arms directly up behind your body. Shoulder flexion is the ability to lift your hands up in front of you towards overhead. Surprisingly, the uh, shoulder extend now in a, in a gymnast or a well-trained athlete, shoulder extension is not going to be an issue. What we have found is uh, guys who like to bench, guys who do curls, uh, and I'm not saying anything about against benching or curling. Those are both great exercises, but done in isolation, right? That's, that's continually contracting a muscle, shortening the muscle. If you never stretch it back out, right, you lose that range of motion. So I, was, I had a nice conversation with a fairly high-level Olympic lifting coach the other day. And he mentioned, you know, in his opinion someone who had good shoulder extension would be able to lift. So if my hands at my side is zero degrees and he found someone with 10, maybe 15 degrees coming up behind them would be someone who had excellent shoulder extension. Whoa. And yeah, I, I just, you know where I'm going. <laughs> I, I just laughed. I was like, wow, I, I consider someone who can't raise their arms up to horizontal, you know, basically half paralyzed. A lot of our work, the, the issue becomes is a lot of our, our strength work tends to be front delt specific. Sure. It's that, uh, it's that anterior delt is doing everything. And if you get stronger and stronger, that anterior delt gets strong, that bicep tendon, like a lot of shoulder issues, I've learned the hard way over the years, what is felt is a lot of shoulder issues are actually bicep tendon issues, but it's perceived as a meaning the bicep itself is too tight. It's lost its range of motion especially through shoulder extension that hand behind them because that tendon comes up and in the front of the shoulder. So they spend all, we spend all this time trying to work shoulders, work shoulders, work shoulders, when it actually has nothing to do with the shoulder whatsoever. And of course it doesn't get better. And then they say therapy doesn't work. Stretching doesn't work. Da, 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 da. This was a waste of my time. Well, they were just doing the wrong thing. Pec minor, pec is a huge big deal. You know, that pec gets tight and people actually create their own impingement, that old shoulder caving forward. And something to be aware of is hopefully 
we're, we're all going to continue to get older. And what we build is what we're going to keep. If we don't exercise joints and vertebrae in your spine or a joint, vertebrae in your neck or a joint, if those aren't articulated through their normal range of motion now, we're, we're not talking about maximum effort. We're not talking about, you know, I want you to go do Jefferson curls with 400 pounds or I want you to do neck work, you know, with 200 pounds. We're not talking about that. Regular modes to articulate the joint through normal range of motion. If that isn't done and you stay kyphotic, you kind of get that text neck where everyone is hunched over looking at their phone, chins displaced forward. If left long enough in that position over years, that's going to lead to crush fractures where picture a vertebrae as a rectangle, a healthy vertebrae is just a rectangular box. Mm-hmm. And, and with enough years, the front of that is going to start being crushed down. So it's more of a trapezoid where the back end is higher and the front end is going to be thinner. Once that happens, to the degree it happens, there's no going back from that. We can't rebuild that. And so that is something that will absolutely happen to all of us, all of us without exception, if we don't get on top of that and actually arch your back. How how much of our back work is done with just an arch in the lower back? They stay lordic, right? right? But there's no posterior pelvic tilt. So they've trained one side of the joint. And then how much of our upper back or the thoracic region is only trained when it's hollow with chest pulled in and with no arch. And if I can't arch, how am I supposed to rotate my upper back? Right, because the thoracic spine, that upper back is designed to rotate. Well, that now forces me to do rotation in my lower back where it's not designed to have a high degree of rotation. It's not designed for it. So I'm setting myself up for injuries where, oh, I drop a pencil. We see this with really strong guys, right? They drop a pencil, they bend over to pick it up, they didn't have the arch. Remember, yes, you have to, they blow their back, and we'll talk about why, right? They, they hurt themselves picking a pencil off the floor. Why? Because they bent forward. Right, right. Well, what is it exactly that's so unnatural about bending forward? I mean, and we, we, get, we get therapists, not, we have a lot of therapists around the world who are using ours now because it's effective, it works. You know, as a national team coach, it works or it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, it's got to be set aside. Because if, if it doesn't work, I don't win competitions. You know, you're not a national team, you're not a national team coach, yada, 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 yada. So for us, when I first heard the term neutral spine, I was like, excuse me? So yeah, you, you have to have a neutral spine, this and that. And I said, well, exactly what the hell am I supposed to do with an athlete with neutral spine? And we're, right. we're having, we're, I'm having a discussion on, on another site right now with someone who's like neutral spine, neutral spine, neutral spine. They did, they did experiments on dead pig cadavers. Oh, the Stuart yeah. McGill experiments. Yeah. Uh, I had everybody, uh, I, you know what? I, I got sucked into that for a bit. I stopped doing all flexion work and extension sure. work. But I got away from that years ago. But the whole fitness industry was influenced by that. And yeah. And I think with best of intentions, that was flawed in two ways. It was flawed in two ways, that approach. One, there are no athletic movements on the field of play that can be performed with a neutral spine. I can't run. I can't jump. I can't throw. I can't climb. I can't roll. I can't swim. There, there is nothing I can do athletically with a neutral spine. Can't be done. In fact, 
not only without a neutral spine, but my spine is going to have to articulate from extension. It, it, there's only two movements of the spine. Everything else is a variation of these two. I'm either contracting from extension to flexion, from arch to hollow, or I'm contracting from flexion to extension. That's right. it. We can add rotation, but people don't train that. Most of the weightlifting, which I like, I like weightlifting at the right time after the right degree of preparation. I love deadlifts. Okay, I'm totally fine with squats at the right time in the right place with healthy joints and you have mastered, for example, on squats, in my opinion, we get guys who are uh, super strong, whose soleus are so tight, they can't get up from the floor. Right. So you can well, squat a bunch know, of weight, but you can't get off the ground. I, I can squat a bunch of weight as yeah. long as I exist and I'm good. I'm effective as long as I, I restrict my world to a 90 degree bend or less. Right. <laughs> as, long, as long as I put myself inside that cage, I'm okay. But if I go outside that cage, now I have an issue. Well, that's where injuries happen, right? And that's why someone gets hurt going out and playing softball. It's that they've been hitting the gym, they're doing the best, they've been doing some mobility, they've been doing their strength work, but all of their strength work is everything exactly on alignment. The knee always tracks over the toe. There's, there's never any lateral or medial movement. Well, it's called <laughs> medial cruciate ligament for a reason and the anterior cruciate ligament for a reason because it's supposed to move off track. And your meniscus is supposed to move. And that, that tibia coming up into the thigh is supposed to rotate. But none of their training reflects this. And so they get really strong. And now they go out on field to play. And they go to come around first base. And what are they doing? Inside pressure on that knee. Pop. Yeah, I tore my ACL. I've had discussions with orthopedic surgeons. And they're like, you know, coach, stuff just starts breaking down when you're 30. I right. said, well, you know. I disagree with that. And they say, yeah, by 35, they're brittle. I said, no, it's not that they broke down when you're 35, just because you're 35. The issue is that you stopped doing a lot of physical activity after college when you were 22 and you started working and you had a family and you got promoted and you had to work more than that. And by the time you're 35, it's basically been 13 years of not playing, of not going outside these really restricted ranges of motion and then you go try to have some fun, and now you've got strong quads that can generate a lot of power, and you come around that side, and weak joint. It, yeah. it was just, there, there was absolutely no reason, and someone who's been in Asia in that, you know, that you'll see, you just get your ass kicked. But I've had my butt kicked by all these little old ladies, you know, are out waiting for buses and full squat, and there's no issues whatsoever. And how about why can't Americans squat? It has nothing to do with their hips. You know, if you can sit in the chair where you're listening right now and you can pick your knee up and hug it to your chest, your your hips are fine doing a full squat. There's nothing wrong with your hips. There's nothing wrong with your hamstring. Your knees are fine. If you can't squat, though, it's because your soleus, that, that bottom calf muscle just above the ankle where the Achilles comes in, it's because you're too tight there. But how do they try to fix their squat when they get down in the squat and they're crushing the knees out to the side and they're doing all this stuff trying to get the hips, <laughs> you know, and they end up with hip replacement. There's there's several, you know, of the big gurus who've had hip replacements now because they were working on hip, 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 hip instead of, why don't we just fix soleus? Where's where's the flexion in your ankle? Now, if you don't have full squat, it's that ankle's too tight, more, more than likely. And I, it can be the other also, but that first one 
address it can be solely. It's always going to be that ankle flexion. Yeah, that's such a, a an important point you're making, and you know that has more to do with the bias in the fitness industry. I think it's the whole core fascination, and then the hips as being part of it, and all the you know people don't talk about. Well, what about your feet? What about your ankles? I mean, that seems like a logical first place to look. And I'm so glad you're bringing up all these important things and giving the the listeners of the Legendary Light Podcast a holistic view on keeping themselves healthy for the rest of their life. And if they're a little bit beat up, now they know, got to start working on this mobility. And if you can bring your knee to your chest, then you can do a full squat. It's just something is stopping you. You have the joint range of motion, but it's when you're trying to lower yourself down. So many important points you're bringing up, coach. They need to spend a little bit of time. You know, for for a lot of people, it's going to be... It's going to be new, kind of getting in contact with the body. It's a regular range of motion. We, we get all the time that, Coach, you're, you're showing these, these amazing athletes. And when can we see some regular people demonstrate this mobility? And I always chuckle. Maybe I should be more explicit about it. But those athletes they're seeing weren't, were never gymnasts. They were older adults who were crushed. I rebuilt them. And they, one in particular, one of my senior students did, you know, his internship at Olympic Training Center for the Olympic weightlifting coach. And when I got him, he was just destroyed. Is that was, orange? That is orange. Yeah. He, uh, shoot, he, he had a hard time reaching his knees. He was so tight. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, we, we've just completely rebuilt his body, which is one of the reasons he's so passionate about it, because he feels so good now, where before it was... We, we kind of get too much into a warrior mentality where we're going to do, and I have that mentality also, but it needs to be tempered. We're, we're going to do what I need to do, and if it hurts, it hurts, and if I'm tired, I'm tired, and it's okay, I'm going to do it. Yes, if it's necessary, but if that pain isn't necessary, then that means you're causing yourself damage, and if you continue causing yourself damage long enough, there, you're not going to be able to train later, right? You're, you're going to be you gotta remember, every time we see an older adult shuffling down the sidewalk, it's important to look at them and realize they didn't start that way. They didn't start that way. It was self-created. You know, when that they have that hunch that was self-created, that's the spine not articulating. Right? We're not it doesn't have to be super hard. You just gotta you have to feed the joints in order to keep them alive and healthy, which means moving them through their natural range of motion. But next time you see someone shuffling down or someone who's in obvious pain, I watched a, a gentleman in a gym a while back who was uh, doing pull downs, but he couldn't move his shoulder blades. There was no elevation or depression. There was no retraction whatsoever. It was just some elbows bending. And you know, I'm not gonna go up and, and correct him. You know, he's doing what he wants to do. But I looked at it and I thought, how unfortunate how unfortunate. Now, I'd have been happy if he'd asked me. I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but you don't want to be nosy and bothering people. I thought, how unfortunate that this gentleman is dealing with these issues when there was no need to deal with them. Yeah. It, it was unnecessary. But, you know, we want, we want. Now, do, am I against muscles and strength and physique? Not at all. Not at all. L look at our Olympic team. <laughs> Those guys, yeah, those guys are beasts. Look, look at Alan. Alan's arms are like my waist. I mean, it's unreal. But that comes after. That comes after. First, we have to build 
the framework, if you will, which is going to be mobility before we start hanging things on the framework. You can't have a weak framework and start hanging things on it and expect the framework to not collapse later. You've got to build a strong framework, and that means mobility. That's your joint prehab. Do you, how do your wrists work? How do your forearms work? Or carpal tunnel syndrome, you know, people, people typing all the time. Why does that wrist hurt? Well, there's not enough wrist extension work being done. There's not enough finger extension work being done. Okay? Or the forearms get really tight from all the typing. Well, how much forearm mobility are they doing? Are they stretching out the forearms? We've been fortunate enough, blessed, I should say, I should say, because it's, it's been wonderful for us. We, I spent a number of years with uh, one of the protégés of, of Dr. Ross. Dr. Ross is Russian. I can't pronounce his last name, so I abbreviated to Dr. Ross. I call it Russian medical massage. Dr. Ross hates it when I call it Russian medical massage. He says, it's medical massage. It's Russian medical massage. That's all I talk before. <laughs> but... but we had an athlete with a very tight wrist, and it was Jeffrey's wrist was really bothering him, and we couldn't get any work done. He's a competitive athlete. It's that time of the year we got to compete, and therapists came in and didn't do a thing to the wrist, didn't touch the wrist, went up on the top of the forearm just under the elbow and manipulated the tissue and released all the tissues because they were chronically contracted. And the mobility in the wrist at the other end of the forearm doubled. Right. You're opening up a whole can of worms, Coach. Uh, <laughs> you're just uh, so knowledgeable. I, I know I want to have you again. You know, I hope this is the start of many interviews to help spread the message of what you're doing and helping people get away from that, the traditional fitness or even powerlifting or power building or bodybuilding approach to getting in shape to this more joint centric approach and, and longevity approach because it's changed my life. It's changed my level of pain. It's changed my level of function. And I, we're coming up on an hour. I want to be respectful of your time. And also you've <laughs> given the listeners a lot to think my it pleasure. over. You can find coach Christopher summer at gymnasticbodies.com. I'll have the link up there, but if someone wanted to try a program of yours, I know you have one that just came out, the Fundamentals program. Fundamentals, well, our, our journey, my journey, has been a constant refinement of our approach. So it, it took a long time at first because, again, it was skewed for expectations of national team athletes. I feel that we have a pretty good approach now. So our, our newest program, Fundamentals, is uh, I don't assume that they have joint mobility. In fact, First thing we do is we do assessments in the course to kind of illustrate to them mobility deficits, mobility problems that they have in their shoulders and their hips that they didn't even know were there. That's been very well received. We, we take them through basic stretching, not the intense stretching, the more dedicated stretching of our uh, full-blown stretch courses, but more introductory work teach them how their scaps move, how their shoulder blades move, a whole curriculum that we just kind of walk them through. Guys, this is your body. This is how it's supposed to move. And then illustrate to them, this is how yours isn't moving. And not to panic, not to punish them or anything, but just guys, this as a starting point is where we're going to start rebuilding you from here. And I'm explaining to them, you know, guys, this is a process. It took time to break it. It's going to take time to fix it. 
The good thing is the body wants to be healthy if you just give it the opportunity to do so. We're easy to find. Gymnasticbodies.com is our primary website. ton of great information there. You can click on training programs. It'll walk them through. There are four steps in our curriculum. The different courses are assigned in those four steps. Uh, step one, learn your body. Fundamentals falls in there. Step two, build your body. Foundation or stretch courses fall in there for building their strength. For those who would like stretch three, use your body. Those are our skill-oriented courses, our movement courses, our handstand courses. Step four, feed your body. That's our nutrition course. This was actually is actually a wonderful course. This this is based on a lot of the principles that Jeff back in the day, you know, started his SEAL career at 145 pounds at six feet tall. It wasn't like he was 145 pounds and five feet five. It was right. six feet tall. So he was he was a string bean and uh, made it through the same as all of us. Why why do we learn things? Why do we move forward? Well, it's because we're frustrated that things aren't working out the way we want. And that frustration, if it reaches a high enough level, right, motivates us to take action, studying, learning, implementing, testing. And if you continue being frustrated, eventually, and it means enough to, eventually you're going to get to the point where you solve this thing. Yep. So Jeff has a pretty good handle on nutrition, especially that first nutrition course is really good. It's based on behavior modification. Not a lot of measuring in that, getting them going more of, you know, these are the basic fundamental components of what good nutrition should be. This is how you implement it in, in your daily life. So those, those are our four steps, you know, learn your body, build your body, use your body, feed your body. It's all laid out for them. It'd be interesting for them to do as they land on the page. I think we, uh, a pop-up comes up and offers them a free assessment, kind of a, a single movement that will evaluate core strength, shoulder mobility, lower back mobility, hamstring mobility, evaluates all that in about 10 seconds. So and everyone usually starts it with uh, great high hopes that they'll be the one who crushes it. And then there's lots of wailing and gnashing of teeth about 10 seconds later. <laughs> yeah, I remember looking at those, the hollow body hold, the, the chin up hold, and the hollow arch hold. Is that... Right. Well, we just we just redid it to make oh. it. Uh, those were our old ones. We just redid it to uh, go into a single element. Some people, because fundamentals, I should mention, fundamentals requires no equipment, just some floor space. Mm. So we went to that, and this assessment requires. Some people had trouble when we did chin hold getting access to a pull up bar. So this this is a floor based assessment now of a single element, and it's it's free form. They they come in. I think they enter an email address, and it pops up the free assessment for them. Yeah. Well, if you like what you've heard from Christopher Summer, from Coach Christopher Summer, and or if you are jacked up from your terrible routine and you want to take a different direction and get over some of these injuries, I highly recommend that you go to gymnasticbodies.com. I'll have the links on the show notes for this page. Go check it out. Go do the free assessment. See what you're really made of. And if you want to really dive in because you know it's worth trying based on what Coach has said today, what he shared with you, Go there, start with the fundamentals course or the stretching or the foundations. I own like all of your courses, coach, uh -huh. except for the nutrition and the, uh, and the new one that you just rolled out. They are all excellent. And coach, thank I appreciate you. That. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 
it's earned its due. And uh, like I said, you've changed my entire perspective of how I look at training. So thank you for sharing your time today, your wisdom, your knowledge, and hopefully this will be the first of many times having you on the podcast. Uh, I look forward to it. I appreciate the opportunity to spread it, Ted. What an incredible interview. Let me tell you, it was an honor to sit down with Coach Christopher Summer and pick his mind and get his perspective on training and how he looks at it. It's very different than any of the fitness people that I've talked to ever in my 17 years. And it was a long interview. I'm going to make this takeaway part pretty short. And the first thing I want to say to you that I took away from this interview and from just being in his course and learning his methods and applying them is number one, it takes time to build something great. Whether you're looking to build a great body, whether you're looking to build the skill to do your first muscle up, or maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're at a pull-up. Maybe you're trying to work on pull-ups and dips. Maybe you're trying to work on your first freestanding handstand. Maybe you're trying to work on a handstand push-up. Whatever it is, it takes time. And there's no way you can say, hey, in six months, I'm going to have this down. Now, you can practice, but if you're too aggressive, if you're not patient enough, you may get injured or you may never even make it because you didn't do it the right way. You tried to rush and you just overdid it. Number two is being strong is not enough. Being flexible is not enough. You need both. So if you're deadlifting 500 pounds and squatting 600 pounds and you're bench pressing 400 pounds, but you can't touch your toes and you can't get your arms in a straight line over your head without arching your back and jutting your head forward in that terrible forward head posture, Donald Duck posture that we see with some people, then you're doing it wrong you're, and you're doing yourself a disservice and you're actually weaker than you think. So make sure you work on flexibility, mobility. If you have the strength, if you've been working for a while, conversely, if you're the yoga type who can put your leg behind your head, but doing a bodyweight deadlift or doing a bodyweight pull-up or doing a bodyweight dip is too much for you, then you need to strengthen yourself up. You can't just be a flexible Gumby person and you can't just be your average tight but strong weightlifter guy. You've got to be both or weightlifter girl. You've got to have both if you want longevity, if you want to avoid injuries. And number three, is that you can craft an amazing physique and incredible strength from using bodyweight training, but you have to know how to do it. And don't try the gymnastics progressions on your own. Follow a mentor, follow a coach. Hey, I told you at the beginning my story when I tried a elbow lever, and I'm talking about a, a double elbow lever. I think that's what it's called. It's when you're in a push-up position, but your feet are off the ground. So imagine lower yourself all the way down into a push-up position with your arms close to your body, but your feet are off the ground because you're supporting yourself with your hands, with your forearms, with your triceps and shoulders and chest strength. That's how I gave myself tendonitis in both elbows. Not good. So you need the right progression to create that physique, to build the strength, and also to build the strength of your connective tissue along the way. 
So those are my top three takeaways from this interview with coach Christopher Summer. I'm going to have him back on and I would love to hear what did you think of this episode? Email me at ted at legendarylifepodcast.com and let me know. That's all I've got for today. Hope you enjoyed the interview and have an amazing week.